This is where you connect with people that you never thought it would be possible to connect with. So you might actually have so many more ideal clients that you don't realize are ideal clients until you start digging down to that values level. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Today, we are chatting with photographer Aaron Youngren, one half of the Youngrens, a husband-wife photography team. Aaron and Jeff are based out of Southern California, but they have shot across the US and around the world. They also manage two other photography brands that photograph weddings, portraits, and commercial work. So if you're counting, that's three different photography brands, each with a different clientele. This makes Aaron particularly knowledgeable about our topic for today, which is learning more about your ideal client, or as she refers to them, your dreamies. This episode is jam-packed with practical information, and honestly, Erin's approach to discovering your ideal client is among the best I've heard. She moves beyond the typical client avatar and provides practical tips for understanding your client's why. And then she goes one step further and explains how this can better help you connect with your ideal client. Be sure to check out the show notes at Davey and Krista for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And in this episode in particular, there are a lot. And I'd like to hear from you about what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brands That Book podcast as we move forward. I'd also like to know what episodes you've enjoyed most so far and why. To leave your feedback, head on over to the Davey and Krista Facebook page and send us a message. Now, on to the episode. I'm excited to welcome Aaron Younger into the Brands That Book Show. Aaron, I know it's bright and early out in sunny San Diego, but as we were just talking about, I think we're both kind of used to early schedules, you having a 15-month-old now and us having a 14-month-old, but welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. And yes, these early hours have become very familiar to me. And I'm not a morning person, but I definitely have become one with our little sweet baby James, who he's a great sleeper, but... Anyone with kids will definitely resonate with being up early. For sure. You know, it's funny, Krista's a morning person, but I feel like that's just made her even more of a morning person. She's getting up at like five in the morning just to get work done before Jack wakes up. And then I'm not naturally a morning person, but like you have learned, I need to get up early and start my day or otherwise it's it's a lot shorter than it used to be. Yes. I cannot stay up late like I always love to do. I have to tell myself to go to bed because it's, you know, these mornings are are different. And so my schedule has definitely shifted. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's funny because one of the biggest changes, which I absolutely should have anticipated, 
is that just every day is the same now, right? You know, it's Jack goes to bed at the same time and gets up at the same time. So it doesn't matter that if I'm, you know, staying up late with friends, it's not like he's going to let me sleep in the next morning. But I'm excited to have you here on the show. Aaron and Jeff have uh, not one, but three different photography brands uh, that they manage. And a little bit of what we're talking about today is really going deeper with figuring out who your ideal client is and and how to reach them. And like I said, having three different brands, all uh, successful in their own right, Aaron has definitely had to think through this on multiple occasions for her own brand. And then in addition to that, Aaron, you also teach about this as well. Yes, I do. It has been quite the wild ride. We did not set out to have three brands when we started our business, you know, 13 years ago, but that is where we are. And it's been so much fun. And understanding our ideal clients 100% has been huge in making each one of these brands successful for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'd like to go back 13 years here and just talk about, you know, how you all got started in, in photography and then kind of how these different brands came to be. Yeah, that's a huge question. Everyone's like, how did this happen? (laughs) And that's a lot of time to cover too, you know? Mm -hmm, Definitely. So Jeff and I are a husband and wife wedding photography team. We're in San Diego, California. And we met back in college, which was also here in San Diego. And I was a freshman literature major that was fresh off the farms from Idaho, which is where I grew up. I was a dirty farm kid that swam in ditches and rode horses. (laughs) And Jeff was a biology major. And when I came to college, I worked at the front desk of the library and he was in the library studying all the time. And I didn't know this, but him and all of his biology nerd friends kept calling me the hot librarian. And I, one day he just got up the guts to ask out the hot librarian. So that's how we met and started dating. And very quickly we got married. And in that time, Jeff was going to go to med school, but decided, you know what? I don't want to be a doctor my whole life. So he gets a job in cancer research and he is into photography this whole time. So all growing up, he loves photography and he starts shooting his first weddings right around the time we get married. And I start assisting him at these weddings. I pick up one of his extra cameras and just fall in love with it. Like, I'm like, Jeff, I know why you love this so much. Let's do this. And so we decided to do this together. So we work really hard for the next couple of years to quit our corporate jobs and go full time. And so once we're able to quit our jobs, our business kind of explodes at that point. Like we start traveling nonstop. Like the first thing we did after we quit our jobs was we took our laptops to Singapore and we lived there for two months and we traveled all of Southeast Asia. It was amazing. That is amazing. it's like everything you ever dream of when you quit your day job, right? Yeah, and I, I do have I do have a question. I mean, both of you super intelligent. I mean, Jeff is uh, was going to go on and be a doctor. Was there any pushback? Whether, I mean, even as you all discussed going the photography route, or pushback even from family and like, hey, really? I mean, you could be, you know, Jeff, you could be a doctor, you know, and uh, I mean, just when you're thinking about like, you know, I guess typically stable incomes and things like that. So was there any discussion there? Or was this just kind of one of those things where you uh, were like, no, we're we're going for it? Oh, it was so much discussion about should we do this? Should we not? And big credit goes to Jeff's parents because his parents were definitely your typical, you know, stayed in the same job for many, many years. His dad was very successful, climbed the corporate ladder. And when Jeff sat down to talk to his dad about this, he was terrified because he's like, 
dad, I'm going to, I got this amazing, expensive private education and now I'm going to go be a photographer. And so he laid out his whole business plan to his dad and his dad took a quick look at it, but then looked at Jeff and said, I just want you to be happy. And I am so proud of you that you're following your dreams. And his dad got really weepy and teary eyed. I mean, him and his dad are both super emotional people. So this is not unusual for him to get (laughs) teary eyed, but he was super supportive in the whole thing. And so that really allowed us the emotional freedom to really go after it. So that was very awesome that we had that experience. Yeah, for sure. And so from that moment on, so you go, you moved to Singapore for two months, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole year, we actually traveled six months out of that year. We shot weddings in Mexico and Italy, Costa Rica. We shot an engagement session in Sydney, Australia. And and how are you, how are you booking these you know clients? So this is pretty early on in the business, right? Yeah, we're maybe four year, three, four years into our business. So it's pretty early on. And it really was, we finally started understanding who our ideal clients were. Like, quite honestly, it was that we finally started getting it when it was like, who are we going after and how do we reach them? And so we started just putting feelers out there and saying, we want to travel. Is any Do any of your friends know any friends that are getting married somewhere else and doing destination weddings? And so that really is how we got these weddings that were all over the place is that we just told people we want destination weddings and people started coming out of the woodworks. And so But because we were starting to understand our ideal clients, we knew who the people were that we needed to reach out to. And we would tell our friend who lived in New England, like, hey, we'd love to do a wedding in your neck of the woods. We love New England weddings. They're classic. They're traditional. We're looking for someone who has X, Y, Z. If you know of anyone let us know and we will make it happen. And so that person had the was armed with that knowledge of, oh my gosh, this friend fits exactly who they want. Let me, you know, hook them up with Jeff and Aaron. And then when they did make that connection, we did everything we possibly could to make sure that we could book that wedding in a way that made sense for both of us. And so we were definitely in that hustle mentality of this is what we're going after. And when we get those opportunities, we're going to make those opportunities happen for ourselves. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. And and it's just, it's amazing how, you know, a little bit of intentionality and then just being upfront, you know, with people goes a long way in, you know, creating these opportunities. You know, sometimes it is as simple, I think, as putting it out there that you're looking for certain kind of work. Yeah, the more specific you can be in your ask, the better, because you need to tell people exactly what it is you're looking for, not just, hey, I'm shooting weddings if you know of anyone getting married, because that can be just a little too broad for someone to take action on. But if you're saying, you know what, I would love to shoot a wedding at this venue. If you happen to know anyone that's getting married at this venue, and they're also like really cool people that are like yourselves, then you know, send them our way and make sure to tell them like, we'll take care of them. Not that you're going to give them a huge discount or you're going to do it for free or anything like that, Sure. but just so they know, like we're going to take care of them. And so they can feel good about sending their friend to you for business. Yeah. And I think this is a good opportunity to talk about how you figure out who to ask and what kind of people to ask for just ideal client in general. And it's a phrase I think that's that's thrown around a lot. And so maybe it's most helpful to start with some mistakes that you see. You know, I love even talking about how you're getting very specific with your requests and asks, but what are the biggest mistakes that you see people make when it comes to, you know, figuring out who their ideal client is? Yeah. So ideal client, like you said, 
I feel the same way. It gets talked about all the time. And I feel like it gets talked about in a way that is a little bit of a disservice to most creatives because most of the education that I hear about this topic, especially in the photography industry, which is what I'm in, a lot of the education stays at the surface of the conversation. So the advice that I hear is figure out what cars your ideal clients drive, what jobs they work at, their annual income, what kind of houses they live in. A lot of demographic information that, yes, is really important. That's all information you need to know about your favorite clients in order to understand who they are. But that information doesn't necessarily become powerful until you understand the connections below the surface, unless you understand why they are making the decisions that they make. Why do they buy the cars that they buy? Why do they live in the house that they live in? Why are they in the jobs that they're in? When you understand that, when you understand their values and what is important to your clients, then you can connect with them on those, that level of values, then you can demonstrate to them, you know what, you and I, we believe in the same things. We believe that similar things matter in the world. And that is such a a much deeper connection that then causes people to feel something about you. And they feel something so deep about your brand that they feel connected to you in a way that they otherwise wouldn't ever feel connected. And that's when you get people that are, you know, client evangelists. That's when you get people that say, oh my gosh, my photographers were the most amazing photographers because they got me. They understood me in a way that no one else understood me. And they don't know why. They have no idea why, you know, you get them the way that they do or how you get inside their heads so well. They can't verbalize that, but they feel it. And when you get down to that emotional connection level, that's when you build a brand that is so incredibly powerful. So I like to think of it as Simon Simic's why when he, his books start with why that's a great book to read on this subject because he talks about, you know, what you really want to get to is the center of that why most brands know what they do, right? That's the product that you produce for us. That's our photography. So we know that the product we deliver is our photos then most people know how they do what they do. So that's the experience that we wrap around that photography, but not very many brands know why they do what they do. And so when you understand that why, that's when everything else becomes a really powerful brand experience for your clients. And if anybody's looking for a great business book to read, Start With Why is certainly a good one. I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. But Aaron, could you tell us a little bit about you know where to start when it comes to figuring out people's why? So again, the demographic information being important, but that's like you said, typically where people stop. So how do we get a couple layers deeper in figuring out, you know, why people, let's say, drive the cars that they drive? Yes, that's a great question because that is really where the hard work comes in. The reason why most people don't understand the why or the values is because it's more difficult to get there. And so it's not as much of a natural progression. So there's an exercise that I give um, other creatives that I think is a really helpful place to start. So first, write down five to seven of your favorite clients that you have ever gotten to work with in the past. People that you just, if you got to work with them over and over again, you would 100% do it. If you are in a place where you're just starting out and you don't have five to seven clients that you love, then think about friends or family or people in your network 
that if you did get to work with them, you would absolutely love it. So write down those names instead. Oh, yeah. So I do have a question about, especially uh, as people first get started, and I really think that this is an important activity for people to go through at the very beginning of their career, maybe even before they've ever shot a wedding or served a client. But I know for us starting out, when we were first taking work, there were a couple of clients that we had going into the, you know, wedding or going into the design process thinking that maybe they wouldn't quite fit, you know, our definition of an ideal client, but then coming out the other side of that experience being like, no, like this was awesome. We loved working with them. How do we make room for kind of that growth, especially early on in our careers? Yeah, that's, a great question because when you're early on, you do find yourself in a place where you're like, well, I don't have five to seven favorite clients. I haven't had very many clients to begin with. Well, the good news is that you are in a phase of discovery. And so it's not so critical for you, for every single one of your clients to be ideal clients. And I call our ideal clients dreamies, by the way. So if I start saying dreamies, that's why. I love this word dreamies because it makes me feel like my clients are much more personal. In fact, we have a name for our ideal client. Her name is Emma and she's a really wonderful lady. But when you're in those first years of business, having you know, a full roster of nothing but dreamies isn't as important as getting experience. So do as much work as you possibly can with as many different types of clients as you possibly can. That's what we did in those first years of business. And I'm incredibly thankful for that because in order to understand who it is that you're perfect for and who's perfect for you, you need to know who's not perfect for you. So work with a lot of different types of people, a lot of different types of personalities, and you're going to quickly understand who was a good fit and who was not. Take it one step further and start writing down and studying and figuring out why those people were perfect and why certain people were not. Once you um, start thinking through and being really intentional about this process, then your ideal client is probably going to become more clear even more quickly. So even though you may not be able to have your perfect ideal client, you know, avatar written out or your profile perfectly dialed in in the first year of your business, that's probably not going to happen for a number of years the earlier you start the process of being intentional about discovering who your ideal client is, the better, because you're going to be armed with information more early on that is then going to lead you to your dreamies more quickly. So if you're in that place where, you know, you're writing down five to seven of your favorite clients, so let's get back to the exercise. What I recommend doing from there is take a look at that list of names. And if you have more names, write down as many as possible because the more information you have, the better. Write down next to those names one of these three letters. So the first letter is P and that's for profitable. So which one of these clients was profitable for you? And I don't mean which one of these paid you the most money ever, but which ones paid you your asking price? No questions asked. So put a P next to their names. The second letter is C, and that's for connection. So did you have a life-giving connection with this client? Did you love the work that you produced with them? Did they bring out the artist in you? Was there just that connection there that made it a really life-giving experience? The third letter is R, and that's for referrals. So 
did this client bring you more business? Did they talk about you and, you know, refer you to other people? For photographers, this could also mean vendors. So did you work with vendors that have given you more business in the future because of this client? So PCR, write down those letters next to those names. And some names might have no letters. Some names might have multiple letters. And see which ones have more letters next to their names because those clients are not only life-giving for you, but they're good for your business. They are the ones that you really want to pay attention to, especially if they have the three letters next to their names. Those are super dreamies. They're the ones that you need to take to dinner and buy a bottle of wine and find out everything you can about them because they are the ones that will move your business forward. I think this is just a spectacular way to break down ideal client because I mean, there's so many different, I mean, there's clients out there, right. That maybe you really enjoyed working with, but they didn't pay you at your asking price, or especially as you first getting started, you're just realizing that people like that typically are trying to get a deal or a bargain. And so maybe they're not so good for your business. So I think that this is just such a wise way to figure out who it is that you should be trying to go after. I also really appreciated what you said about how important experience is when you're first getting started. And so that might lead to some tougher clients or clients that you realize aren't a good fit, but at least you you get that experience in realizing that they're not a good fit. So are there any steps that you recommend people take after they go through these letters PCR? Yes, definitely. So once you look at all these letters and you identify who your ideal clients are, then these are the people that you want to start to study. And I do recommend that you start at the surface level. Now, the word that I use for the surface characteristics is weirds. And this comes from a book by Seth Godin. It's not a book that anyone really has ever heard of, but he wrote a book called We're All Weird. And honestly, I don't even know if he publishes it anymore, but it's so perfect for this conversation because he talks about weirds as the things that you choose to do with your time and the things you choose to do with your money. So if you're sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon, what do you choose to do with your time? Do you choose to make a meal? Do you watch TV? Do you go shopping? Do you hang out with a friend? And the more specific you get with those things, the more information we can learn about you. So if you make dinner, what do you make? Do you make Do you cook Thai food? Do you make your great grandmother's meatball recipe? When you watch TV, what do you watch? Do you watch documentaries? Do you watch comedies? That information tells us about who you are. And we can then start learning about what matters to you based on what it is you do with your time and with your money, especially with your money. When you are spending money on things, that really tells us what matters to you, right? Yeah, for sure. So start learning these things about your clients. What are their surface weirds that are very specific to them that's interesting? And this is also something that you should start learning about yourself. What are your weirds that are interesting to you? So for example, Jeff and I have a couple of scooters. So when we came home from Singapore, we had traveled Vietnam, we had traveled Thailand, and we fell in love with scooters. And so we came home and we bought a couple scooters. And so that's one of our weirds. We ride around town going to happy hour on our scooters. And that's something that our clients learned about us. In fact, I'm drinking out of a mug with a scooter on it that one of our clients gave us because it's one of our weirds. Jeff has a bourbon collection. He's really into bourbon. That's one of his weirds. We fly Delta everywhere we go. We're kind of crazy Delta fans. Like people know that about us. And so people can connect with us. 
Exactly. Yeah. So that's a weird of ours. And weirds are those things that your friends and family say, oh my gosh, that is totally you. That's your thing. So what are your things? And then what are your clients' things? This is the first time I'm hearing about that book by Seth Godin. I'm a big Seth Godin fan. So really anything by his uh, of his is, is good. So I'm going to have to check that one out. And if I do find it, if it is still being published, I'll, I'll make sure to put it in the show notes. I do have a couple questions about weirds in general. I can totally see how those are things that people would connect with. But what we've noticed is that maybe there's a, a fine line between sharing about yourself in a way that builds your brand versus just sharing random stuff about yourself. And the way we see this played out in, in web design, at least, is, you know, through random lists of things I love, you know? So it's like, I love Polte and sweatpants and, you know, right? And things lattes like that. and uh, candles and dogs. Yeah, exactly. To a certain extent, part of the problem with lists like that is they do tend to be generic and not as much. And the weirds that you're talking about are certainly a bit more specific, you know, like the the scooter th thing, especially and the story behind it, all of that makes sense. I guess what I'm trying to get at is where's that line between, you know, sharing stuff about yourself that builds your brand and resonates with your ideal client versus just, you know, sharing stuff about yourself, if that makes sense. That is a great question. So that is where values really come into play because the weirds that you want to pick that are big for you that you want your clients to connect with, the reason your clients will connect with those weirds is because why you do them and why they do what they do. It's because your values underneath both of those weirds are the same. So like you said, the scooters, there's a story behind them. That's why the scooters matter because we traveled to Southeast Asia and we spent two months traveling and we rode scooters in Thailand and we rode scooters in Vietnam. And when we tell that story to our clients, they say, oh my gosh, we spent two months in Paris, or I grew up going to Italy, or they love the travel and the adventure side as well, even though they don't have a couple of scooters, right? Sure. So on the outward surface level, our weirds are very different from our ideal clients. But when you get down to values, they're the same. That's where the magic comes in. And that's why I feel so excited about ideal clients. Like I literally have chills right now thinking about this because this is where you connect with people that you never thought it would be possible to connect with. So you might actually have so many more ideal clients that you don't realize are ideal clients until you start digging down to that values level. So let me give some examples. So let's use the example of cooking on a Sunday afternoon. Let's say that you love bringing your friends and family together every Sunday for a meal and you love cooking for everybody. And the reason you love that is because you get to connect with your friends and family in a way that you otherwise wouldn't get to connect with if you didn't cook, right? Let's say your clients love college football and they go to their alums college football games every single game. They have season tickets and the reason that they do that is because they connect with their friends and family in a way that they otherwise wouldn't get to connect with if they weren't into college football. Or they come and watch games together with their friends and family. Those are very different weirds on the outside, right? Cooking and college football. But on the inside, it's the same values. And that's why you get along so well. So that's why it's really important. So when you start understanding your weirds and you start understanding the weirds of your clients and figuring out, okay, a lot of my clients tend to love 
hiking and backpacking, or they're super into fitness, or my clients are really into their foodies. Like a lot of my clients are into food and wine. That's interesting. Start trying to understand why they're into those things. And here's the best way to do it. So how Jeff and I did this and how we got to know our ideal clients so, 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 so well is that for years, we gave free engagement sessions with every single one of our weddings. And the reason was that so we could build relationships with our couples. And after those engagement sessions, we went to dinner with every single couple. And those dinners were very, very intentional. We were spending money, we were buying the dinners, so we made sure that we got as much value out of them as we possibly could. So we had really intentional conversations. We asked questions about their families. We asked questions about, you know, what did they do growing up? What matters to them about their families? Why are they getting married? What do they love about each other? What do they do with their free time? And we made it very conversational. It wasn't like an interrogation <laughs> or anything like that. You're taking notes at the but- dinner table. Exactly. We're like, "Uh uh-huh. Tell me more. Tell me more. (laughs) No, it was very, it was a conversation, but we built such deep relationships with our couples and we learned so much about them that our brand began to evolve and speak to what was important to them. So find out ways that you can do that in your own business. You know, we're photographers and engagement session was our solution. We don't do that any longer. We don't feel a need for that these days. But are there ways that you can connect with your couples and make it a part of the experience, provide them a great experience while learning about your couples at the same time? Yeah, I mean, that's such a great idea because of of what you just said. I mean, at the very least, it just provides a great experience for them, you know, something that they probably weren't expecting. But then at the, it also provides you an opportunity to learn more about them. So I love that idea. We also included when we were shooting engagement sessions with each of our collections, really just because we thought it made the wedding day that much easier. But looking back, I wish we had done something like this and we probably would have arrived at who our ideal client was a lot sooner by using that time intentionally. I do have a question on how this plays out too in your different brands. The Youngerins is more of your high-end brand, right? That's like the clients you and Jeff are shooting and working with very personally. Yes, definitely. So I'm assuming that at least some of the examples that we've talked about really do apply uh, well to the Youngerins. What about some of your other brands where maybe you're not as personally involved. I I don't know if that's the right way to put it because of course you're involved in your other brands, but maybe it's not so much the faces of Aaron and Jeff, but uh, I know you have an associate uh, photographer brand and then you have uh, the commercial business brand. So how do these things play out in brands that aren't necessarily as relational as the Youngerins? Yes, definitely. So let me back up a little bit and explain kind of the evolution of the brands and it might help put context around the story. So after we started traveling a ton for our business, we went full time, we're traveling and shooting weddings and we're having so much fun. Very quickly, we also start doing workshops for other photographers, education, speaking and that sort of thing. We're on the road constantly during this period. And actually up until a few years, we were on the road constantly until we had sweet baby James. Sure. Then we cut back our travel, All which of is sudden, why we're travel- People. It's travel still yeah. fun with kids. I, you know, I we just went away with with Jack, but it's just a Whole little different. different right? <laughs> Not as sustainable over multiple, you know, weekends or you know, back to back to back trips. Yeah, I'm not as motivated yeah. to get on airplanes these days. So yeah, I agree. We 
came to a point where we decided to expand our business. And so we bought a local commercial photography studio called Bauman Photographers. And then we expanded into an associate wedding photography brand. There's a long story behind it. This wasn't a part of the plan, but this is this is how it happened. And it's really great. And so we went from just Jeff and I and our cat to three brands, a team, a staff of photographers, an office space. You know, it was a very, very quick rough and dirty transition. And we've learned so much during these last years. Holy cow. In fact, if you want to hear like really behind the scenes stories of what it's like to run these businesses, we launched a podcast called Creative Rising. And on those episodes, I record the behind the scenes stories of these studios. So check it out if you want to hear the the real, what it's really like to run a photography business. But And I'll link to that in the show notes for anybody looking to a link uh, straight to that podcast. You're amazing. That would be awesome. So when it comes to this ideal client concept and multiple brands, it really was so super helpful because we needed to create a different ideal client profile for each one of these brands and go after a different market. And you're right. It wasn't Jeff and I as the face of these businesses. So Clove and Kin, we had to make into you know, this associate brand with multiple photographers, it had to be a brand that stood on its own, not around a personality. And so the profile really became very centered on the target market that we were going after and not so much on connecting with the, you know, one-on-one personality of a person. So that brand, we actually, (laughs) we have different like uh, essentially are position statements, but we have different statements for each one of our clients. So the Youngrens, our weddings are called black ties and ballrooms, and that immediately tells you what kinds of weddings we want to shoot. Clove and Kin is gray suits and gardens because they are more your middle of the road, outdoor, sweet garden weddings that are here in San Diego. And then Bomb and Photographers does shoot some weddings, and those weddings are called designers and divas. So they are completely opposite of what we do with the Youngrens and Clove and Kin. Sure. They're more of your like high fashion, high style, you know, sexy, dramatic, produced kind of look, whereas we're traditional, classic, emotional. And The same goes with the commercial side of things too. That ideal client is a corporate client. It's very different than a wedding client, but we've honed in on those profiles very, very specifically so that we can go after the right people. That's awesome. So for each of these things, like as you're coming up with the position statements, do you find that, so, I mean, something that we found just in terms of going through the ideal client process is that our ideal clients aren't necessarily ourselves, you know, do you find that maybe your ideal client resonates with you a little bit more on a personal basis in a brand like the Youngrens than it does in, you know, bomb and photography, let's say. And really, you know, as you're coming up with position statements or, or I'm sorry, thinking through your ideal client for uh, bomb and photography and Cloven Kin, what are some ways that, I guess, do you find it more challenging because they're not necessarily people that are like you? Yes, definitely. It it was definitely more of a challenge to work through those ideal client profiles because we didn't have ourselves to lean on. We didn't have our own likes and preferences to lean on. That being said, Clove and Kin is a very similar style to the Youngrens, just at a lower price point. So the the profile was adjusted for folks that were more in that middle of the road market versus the high-end weddings that Jeff and I do for the Youngrens. So that one was a little bit more of a natural extension because the the photography style is very similar and a lot of the values are still very similar. Um, Clothing and clients are still classic and traditional 
channel. They just, their style is more of the outdoor, sweet, whimsical, bohemian sort of estate weddings. One thing I do want to say to speak to that when you said, you know, your ideal client is not you. That is something I want to bring up because this is something that I do see creatives do quite often. And it's not necessarily a mistake. It just means that you haven't gone far enough in the process. So what I see a lot of folks do is they do the PCR exercise and they look at all these weirds and they start looking at all the values and they say, oh my gosh, my client and I are so similar. Like we share so many things. We do the same things. We like the same things. We have the same hobbies and interests. We believe the same things matter. So my ideal client is actually a version of myself. Or my ideal client is who I was three years ago when I was looking for a wedding coordinator. Well, the problem with that is you start filtering all of your decisions through your own brain, through your own decision-making process. And what can happen, especially when it comes to pricing, is that you will start making decisions in your business according to what you like and what you think you would do. Whereas your ideal client will actually make decisions and make purchase decisions very differently. So you could be very resistant to raising your prices because you yourself wouldn't pay those prices. So it's very easy to undervalue yourself if you believe that your ideal client is you. Jeff and I could never afford the prices that we charge for our (laughs) photography, but are we worth it? Yes, we will charge every penny, but we cannot spend ten to twenty thousand dollars on photography. So we have had to get outside of our own heads and into the heads of our ideal clients and understand what they would do. So it's very important. And on that same note, I kind of touched on this earlier a little bit. If you're believing that your ideal client is just a version of yourself, then you could actually miss out on a lot of really cool relationships because, Like I said, your ideal client could look very different than you, but do different things, but for the same reasons. So you could just kind of discount someone or be, "Eh, I'm not sure they're really ideal for me without digging down into the surface and really getting to know them. And so we've had a lot of ideal clients that are nothing like us, except for the fact that we believe the same things. And that makes it a great relationship for us. And they've been very life-giving, profitable, wonderful relationships that we've built because we've been open to that value conversation. And I, I got to imagine that too, as that translates over to the copy that you're using in different you know, places, marketing, whether it be social media or on your website, it makes it a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more meaningful than just saying, oh, I, you know, I really like scooters. So I got to imagine that, I mean, you're able to make these connections, let's say, because you don't have to be so on the nose and saying, you know, I really like Sunday night dinners, you know, because like you said, that that uh, college football couple that, you know, Sunday night dinners in particular might not resonate with them. But as soon as you start diving into the reason why you like Sunday night dinners, all of a sudden you can make that connection that you wouldn't otherwise make. Yes, definitely. Why do you think you see... So many people gravitate to coming up with an ideal client that is like them in this industry. I think it's just a natural progression. It's a very easy place to land. And I honestly think that people just aren't aware of the deeper information. And so that's why I'm so passionate about educating on this topic because people just don't know to take it one step farther. And I do read lots of articles that have advice that says things like think about yourself and kind of create a version of yourself. So I actually do see that advice out there, which to me is, is sad. But I think that it's just, 
it's a natural place to land and it's it's easy to filter things through your own head. Yeah, and I think I think maybe there's like a misperception that in order to have a successful business it has to be around a personal brand and you know, you can have a brand like I'm sure bomb and photography is still relational even though it might not be personal in the same way that the young ones are. So I got to imagine too that sometimes we look to really personal, more influencer type brands and then think that, oh, we have to talk a lot about ourselves in order to you know, be successful or it has to be a lot about us uh, in order to connect with people. Definitely. With bomb and photographers, our client is not, we're not building a relationship with our client nearly in the same way as we are with weddings. Sure. So our clients are administrators, our clients are lawyers, our clients are uh, the event planner for a corporate event. And what they care about, what they value in that product is speed, efficiency, high quality. They want someone that's on it. They want someone that's excellent. And excellence is the big value there. So we don't need to demonstrate that we're excellent through talking about lattes. Like we just demonstrate our excellence in the service that we provide, in our branding, in our quality of photography. So understanding how that value system works with your particular client in your particular product. What do they care about when it comes to your product and why, why are they connecting to you in that value, your particular brand and business? Yeah, that's all. I mean, so much practical information in here from the very start. You know, I think this is going to give people a lot to work through. Do you have uh, this information condensed anywhere? So for somebody who kind of wants to work through this as an activity, you know, and we'll of course include a lot of this in the show notes, but is there something that they can like, is there a download? Is there a uh, ebook, some sort of something that they can work through? Yes, definitely. So we do have a free training on this topic. Um, If you go to dreamyclass.com, and dreamy is spelled with an I-E instead of a Y, so dreamyclass.com, that's where you can take a free training. And that unpacks everything I talked about in a very like linear, succinct way. So you can go through it and really just understand this whole concept and just these steps you can take to really dig down into the values. And then we also have a course called Discover Your Ideal Client. And this course just unpacks everything. You get a positioning statement, you come out with a profile, you come out with a branding package, you come out with a lot of quick copy guides. And so This is the kind of thing that my students take to people like you, that they take this to their graphic designers, they take this to the web designers, and this is how they build those really powerful brands. So this is the precursor to going through a rebrand. So if you're thinking about a rebrand, updating your website, anything like that, this course is something you absolutely should take before you do that, because that process is going to be a really wonderful, valuable, and effective process for you. I want to add how much thinking it through those sorts of things. And especially in the way that you talked about today, it really does uh, go a long way in creating just a more dynamic, engaging, compelling website instead of, again, the, you know, and if you're listening, you just feel like maybe your copy on, you know, on your website or the copy that you're using in social media is just kind of flat. I think that this would be a great, whether it's the free training or the course would be great to go through just to understand some of these values better so that your language or the language that you're using on your website isn't so superficial. So I'm excited to go through some of this stuff, I think, because I think it's always helpful to go through. But if you're, if you find that you're kind of just maybe, using the same sort of phrases that everybody else is and and you're not sure, you know, who's listening, then I think that this is a great training to go through. Definitely. My students have come out on the other side with these incredible brands that just speak 
volumes. Um, for example, one of my students, Erica Mills, check out her website. She's wonderful. She redid her whole website and she redid her bio and I helped her with it. I coached her through it. And we came up with this story about the, all of the photographs that lined her grand, her grandparents' hallway, you know, those hallways that are covered in photos. She told a story about those photographs and it's this beautiful story about legacy and about generations. And at the end of it, she says, can I take your eight by 10 photograph? And I like get choked up thinking about it because it's just so beautiful. But when she came to that story, it was so authentically her that she was like, this just unlocked everything for me. Like it just felt so genuine and authentic. It just took a little while to get to that story and to communicate it. And not like you said, be so on the nose, but at the end of it, come to a place of values. This is what matters to me. And this is what matters to you. So let's make this thing happen together. Yeah, that's amazing. I'll have to I'll have to include a link to that as well for sure. Before we end the podcast, though, I definitely you just launched a podcast not super recently, but in the last it was this in year, the last right? year, yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was this year, yep. this year. So, tell us a little bit about that podcast. What are the sorts of things you're talking about during those episodes, and of course, where we can find it? Yeah, so my podcast is called Creative Rising, and you can check it out at creativerising.com on Apple Podcasts or any of your podcast players. And it's a show about what it's really like to start a photography business, and it's honest. That's my keyword for Creative Rising. So, I do practical trainings on that podcast. You'll hear more about the ideal client, but also things like I'm going to do an episode on how to run an associate program since we're pretty good at that these days. Yeah. But in the middle of that, I also have done a lot of storytelling episodes. So very NPR style where I turn on the microphone and we record what actually happens behind the scenes here at our business. And what you can expect to find is that no matter what stage or level of business you're at, we all battle the same things. Whether you're first starting out or you're 13 years and have multiple brands or you're 25 years and you're you know, doing something you love, we all face the same creative battles. We all have self-doubt. We all experience self-sabotage. We all experience just disappointment and failure. It's a part of the process. And so I tell those stories, our stories and the stories of other people in a way that helps us all feel like we're in this together and you're not so alone. So that's what you can expect from my podcast. And I've had so much fun with it and I I can't wait to put out more episodes. Well, I know it sounds like this, this might be one of the episodes where I have just the most links to, you know, all sorts of different resources. So Creative (laughs) Rising will definitely be one of those links um, within the show notes. So check that out for sure. And go give that podcast a listen. Is there anywhere else? I mean, so we have, you know, Youngren's Clothing Kin, Bomb bomb Photography, but is it specifically if people want to kind of follow you and, and what's going on or you and Jeff, where should they go? So the best place is our Instagram feed at the Young Grins. If you are a professional photographer or you're on your way to becoming one, we do have a Facebook group that you can join that is just for photographers alone. And that's a great place also to hear from other really amazing creatives and to get any of our resources that we're putting out there. So that's a resource as well. But at the Young Grins is the best place to join our conversation. 
Awesome. And all of those links will be in the show notes. Aaron, I want to thank you, especially being that you're on Pacific time for getting up bright and early and recording this with me. I'm excited to share this with the Brands That Book audience. I think this episode is just so full of practical information. And just as you were uh, talking through things, I was just, I felt like there were light bulb moments, you know, just thinking through, especially the stuff that you were talking about around values. So thanks for joining me. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation. I am smiling from ear to ear right now. Good. (laughs) And I just am so grateful for all your wonderful questions. Thanks. And we'll have to have you on again. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DeviantKrista.com. 